Well, welcome everybody. Great to see all of you today. And if you're viewing online, glad that you're with us. And if you're a guest, man, we're glad you're here. We hope you have a phenomenal morning and do encourage you, uh, stop by our guest reception uh, table on the way out and just say hi. And if you have time, come back later for one of those two guest connects. We'd love to sit down with you in person and just share with you a little bit more about CVC and hear a little bit about you as well. Hey, before I get into our teaching time, I just want to give a little bit of a snapshot, a verbal snapshot of where we're going to be going in the next couple months as far as teaching. Uh, We have one more week left in this teaching series uh, called B, which is where we're looking at the Beatitudes, the introduction that Jesus gave to his very first public sermon ever uh, on the Sermon on the Mount. So we have one more week of that. And then our last, um, uh, after that, we're going to go into a series called Light of the World. And that's our Christmas series. And we're just going to be talking about how the birth of Christ is a light into this world. I don't want to be much of a spoiler here, so I won't say more than that at this point. And then our last Sunday of the year, uh, we're going to take some time to really frame up tee up uh, 2015, because 2015 is going to have an emphasis of trying to invite more people to new life in Christ. We're just really going to try to uh, ramp it up as a community and how we just uh, share the good news of Jesus with those in our lives. And so I'll give you some more uh, information about what that year is going to look like and some of the, revisit some of the goals we've talked about in the past and all those kinds of things. And we're going to kick off 2015 with a seven-week uh, teaching series called Get Fit. And what we're going to talk about is how from a holistic mindset, holistic as in all of us, um, do, do we approach getting uh, fit? And so we're going to look at uh, spiritual fitness. We're going to look at mental, emotional, uh, financial, relational, fit, uh, physical, uh, rhythmical fitness. You know, how, do, how, how do we thrive in life in this area and how do we shake off some of the things holding us back? And so we're just going to be kicking off New Year. Uh, the series called Get Fit. So I'm looking forward to those things coming up. Now, with that being said, uh, I want to start today by sharing something with you that I don't think really I've had a chance to do yet or haven't had an opportunity to do yet. And unless I've had a chance to have private conversations with you, this is information you haven't heard. Uh, I was actually not born Chad Allen. I was actually born Chad Chippenary, all right? My birth father is half Italian. I have an Italian side of the family. Uh, my mom, uh, her, her maiden name and the side of her family was Kimbrough. So shout out to anyone with Scottish, Irish, Italian roots, all right? Um, I can, I'm with you. But uh, I, was, I was born Chad Chippenary. And my, my birth father had a lot of addictive, abusive, selfish tendencies. And so uh, the marriage to my birth father was very brief for my mom. And at a very young age, she uh, divorced him. And then uh, she remarried years later, and I took on the name of my stepfather because he came into my life early on and and, and took care of me. Uh, His name is Alan, so I took on that name. Now, with my birth side of the family, the Chippenary side, there was some contact early on as a kid. And then as the years went on, it pretty much faded just faded. So I lost contact with my birth father, lost contact with my birth grandparents. I had an aunt on that side, Aunt Jennifer. Um, just lost contact with these folks. And, and, and that, those relationships basically were pretty much broke off. Well, years later, as a young adult, the curiosity about that family stirred up. And so uh, uh, the only address I could find was that of my birth grandmother. So I got out a piece of paper. I pretty much wrote a letter that captured Here's who I am. Here's what I'm doing. Uh, here's my contact information if you have any interest in getting in touch. And I mailed that off, and months and months and months went by, and, and I never got any, any contact back. So I figured that was a closed door. 
About a year later, my wife Rika called me. She goes, you're never going to believe who called today. So who called? She goes, your Aunt Jennifer did. I was like, what? And so what happened is Aunt Jennifer was over her mom's house, and she found this letter that was sitting out. She's like, did you ever get in touch with him? And Grandma was like, no. She's like, what? So she picked up the phone and called. So it was really cool. And the shorter version of a much longer story is that we set up a time, and they came over our home, and we got a chance to reconnect and visit. And uh, it launched us into a, a restoration of that relationship. Now, my birth father was still out of the picture because of things that were going on in his life, but I had a chance to spend about, I don't know, six, eight months with my grandfather before brain cancer took him. Got to, got to get to know him a little bit. Uh, I was asked to speak at his funeral. I'm like, like I, I wasn't even in touch with you guys, you know, um, for years. And all of a sudden, I'm, I'm speaking at my grandfather's service, and I'm proclaiming Christ there. And then um, the next year, I had a great-grandmother that had died on that side that I didn't even know, and they asked me to do that service. And I was like, this is interesting, you know. And then my aunt came to me one day, my Aunt Jennifer, and she said, I'd love for you to do my wedding. And so the next thing I know, I'm, I'm doing the counseling and the wedding for this aunt that I haven't seen for like ever, you know? And so they got married and they had a, a, a son named Nathan, my, my cousin. And through that whole process, I also saw in my aunt Jennifer, who I got connected with the most, uh, a revival of her faith. And she just let me know, you know, this relationship has helped me in growing back into my relationship with Christ. And so now they're actively involved in the church. In fact, this picture of my aunt Jennifer and her husband, Ed, and my cousin Nathan, that he was there making some commitments there in his Christian faith. And so there's been this, this, this interesting connect. And I'm just going to tell you, I'm just, um, I look at the situation in complete awe of God's goodness. Because I believe that the Lord used me as a peacemaker in their lives. I believe that God allowed me to reach out and connect and bring peace and restoration to our relationship. And I believe God used me as they testified to help encourage them in their relationship with the Lord. And it felt so good. Who has God brought into your life that's been that kind of a peacemaker? Who's God brought into your life that's helped restore relationships? Who's God brought into your life to either bring you to or back to your relationship with God? How, how have you been a peacemaker? How have you been a person who God's used to help others experience peace and restoration in relationships with other people or back to a relationship with the Lord? How have you been a peacemaker? Because one thing is really clear. If you have the Lord in your life, you will be a peacemaker. It's one of the characteristics. It's one of the qualities. It's one of the beatitudes that Jesus taught in this Sermon on the Mount. So I invite you to turn with me there. So if you're a guest, uh, we're in this book called Matthew, and it's in chapter 5. If you've uh, been here for a while, you already know that. And we're in Matthew chapter 5, where we find these beatitudes, these characteristics, these qualities of a citizen of heaven, of a lover of God. And we're in Matthew chapter 5, and we're in verses 3 through 9. I'm going to invite you to not just turn there. Some of you don't need to turn there, do you? Some of you have been memorizing this. And so let's read, or from your memory, if you have it, go through Matthew chapter 5, verses 3 through 9, and cover the beatitudes that we've talked about so far. You ready with me? We can do it out loud if you feel comfortable with it. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And today's blessed are the peacemakers, 
for they shall be called sons of God. Would you pray with me, please? God, you are master of all. You are the creator of the universe. You are the heavenly father, the perfect father. There is no divorce. There is no abuse. There's no abandonment when it comes to you. You're the perfect father. And God, we're here today, whether online or here in person, we're here to learn. We're here to grow in you. God, we're here to experience you. And Lord, as we talk about this whole concept of being a peacemaker, we confess right off the bat, we are not naturally peacemakers. God, we, 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 by our heart, don't want peace with you, and by our heart, we don't want peace with others, but Lord, you help us. You help us to think outside of ourself. You help us to think about others. You help us to think about you, so thank you for that. And Lord, as we rally our hearts around this concept today, we ask that you would do a mighty work in us and that we'd be different in the area of peacemaking because of our time with you in your word. We ask this in Jesus' name. We all said, amen. Matthew 5, 9, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. What is a peacemaker? Well, in the original language right here, the word is erenapoios, erenapoios, and it means to make peace. So literally, the word peacemaker, you can take at face value. It's a person who makes peace. And even though the concept of peace with God, peace in God, peace through God, permeates the entire Bible. Those concepts permeate the entire Bible. But this one word is used only this time in the, entire, the entirety of Scripture. This one word, peacemaker, this is the only time it ever shows up, even though the concept of peace is through the entire Bible. And so there's this unique moment where Jesus says, blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are those who make peace, is what he's saying. And uh, a peacemaker is exactly what you see communicated at face value. And simply put, a peacemaker is at peace with God and lives in peace with man. A peacemaker is at peace with God and lives in peace with man. Now, as we talk about being a peacemaker, I think we need to start somewhere here, lay a little groundwork just about who we are. I think we all have uh, naturally three defaults, three defaults that come to us when it comes to peacemaking. And so, Uh, You may have one over the other, but I think at different times, we have a go-to. One of these is our most common go-to. Sometimes, instead of being a peacemaker, we're a peace faker. Now, these aren't my terms. These have been out there for years, but I wanted to use them because I think they help us a lot. A peace faker. A peace faker usually avoids conflict. They're passive. Peace for a peace faker sounds like this. Don't rock the boat. Peace at any cost. It's phony peace. It's holographic peace. Peace fakers express peace on the outside, but they don't actually experience peace on the inside. It's kind of like fake it till you make it. Put on the phony smile and act like you have peace. Talk about peace, but you actually don't experience it. You're just faking it, okay? So sometimes our go-to mode might be to be a peace faker. Some of us, our go-to mode might be to be a peace breaker. So instead of avoiding conflict, we initiate conflict. Like, life's not normal unless something's wrong, you know? Some of you going, oh, that's the member of my family. I get to see them at Thanksgiving coming up, you know? Um, usually, you initiate conflict, you're aggressive. Peace breakers, peace means see it my way. For a peace breaker, peace means see it my way. And usually, a peace breaker has a hard head and a quick fuse, right? And so, for a peace breaker, 
They may experience peace, but it's very short-lived. And when peace falls out, they usually blame the other party. <laughs> Do you see what happens with a peace breaker? So sometimes we're a peace faker, sometimes we're a peace breaker, but sometimes we can actually be a peacemaker. A peacemaker will usually engage conflict. See, the whole concept that you can have peace, but that means you never experience conflict is, is a false notion. Because sometimes the only way to have peace is to go through a valley of conflict. And so as a peacemaker, you're not afraid of conflict. It doesn't mean you don't ever experience conflict. It just means that when you go into it, you're courageous, but you're respectful. And so that's what a peacemaker is like. And a peace for a peacemaker usually means reconciliation and restoration. You're not picking a fight just to pick a fight. You're not just avoiding a fight because you want to avoid a fight. You're like, hey, if peace means we've got to have a fight first, then let's have the fight. Let's play fair because my goal is restoration. My goal is to reconcile and repair what's wrong. Okay, that's what peace means for a peacemaker. And peacemakers experience peace often because they know the source of peace personally. And they try to imitate him by attempting to help others experience peace as well. So, which one's your go-to? <laughs> which one's your default? If you're not sure, why don't you ask a couple people who know you really well? If you think you're pretty sure you know which one's your go-to, why don't you still ask some people who know you really well? <laughs> I think I'm a peacemaker. Well, actually, um, I hate to disagree with you, but <laughs> you're a peace faker. You know, ask a couple people if, if they don't know. So I think with that groundwork being laid, I, I want to take some time now and dive into a deeper biblical understanding of what drives an authentic peacemaker. Like what drives a person who authentically finds himself being a peacemaker more than a peace breaker or a peace faker? Here's three beliefs I really think are at the heart that drive a peacemaker. The first belief is this, belief that God made peace with man. This is the core foundation. This is the bedrock believing that God made peace with man. When we think about our biblical narrative, we think about our, our narrative of the existence of man, we think about creation and how God made everything perfect. He made everything flawless, and he had a rule in place. Don't eat from this tree. To honor this one rule. But man became a peace breaker. He broke the rule and caused us to be at odds with God. And ever since then, every person that's ever been born since the fall of man is born into the state where we are rebellious sinners who want to be the God of our own life that live our lives naturally at odds with God. We're in conflict with God. And what we see here is that God is and was the peacemaker. He initiated peace. And he did a lot more than write a letter and put it in the mail and send it off, hoping you'll get it. He came down in person, right? When God came down in person, he says, I'm going to make peace through something I'm going to do because you're not capable of it. And so when we look at the death of Jesus on the cross, and we understand that that was for the forgiveness of man's sins, we understand that that was God's act of initiating peace, and we look at the resurrection of Jesus from the grave, and the fact that there's an empty tomb, and because there's an empty tomb, God says, I have the power, I have the authority, the ability to make peace. Now, the empty tomb is an invitation to you to be in relationship. I'm not going to force you. I'm not going to drag you into relationship, but I'm inviting you. I'm inviting you now through the death and resurrection of Jesus to be in relationship, and you can have peace with me. 
God initiated peace with man after we were the peace breakers. And we see some beautiful verses that, that help us understand this and give us greater context. Uh, you can look on the screen or in your Bibles at Colossians chapter 1, verse 19 through 22. And in Colossians 1, 20, 19 through 22, here's what we see in understanding this. It says, for in him, speaking about Christ, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. I just want to pause there. There's times in our lives where we doubt or we're in conversations with people who doubt that Jesus was God. People say, well, he was just a prophet. He was just a teacher. Well, he was just the son of God. You look at verses like this. It says, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. Jesus was 100% man and 100% God at the same time. We know that's a mind blower when we think about the incarnation, but that's what it is. He was God. And it says, and through him to reconcile, right, to make peace to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. And you, who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. You see that good news, bad news in there? There's that bad news that you were hostile, you were alienated from God, you were a peace breaker, but God, two of my favorite words in scripture, but God came in person and he reconciled, he made peace through his actions on the cross and through the resurrection. And so God made peace with man. We see the same notion in Ephesians chapter two, verses 13 and 14. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our, what? Peace. See, peace isn't a concept. Peace isn't something you achieve. It's a person. It's a person, right? And now, it says here, for he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. I love all the past tense language here, don't you? You once were far off, but you've been brought close. You once had this wall of hostility, but God broke it down. And he just continues to bring that understanding to us. Romans 5.1, therefore, since we've been justified, that means made right with God, by faith, we have what? Peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. See, a peacemaker knows the source of peace, the person of peace, personally. If you're sitting here and peace has always eluded you, the thing that you have to grasp now is that you will never experience the peace of God until you experience peace with God. The reason that we live our lives for years with this inner presence of something's not right, something's off, something's missing, is because we're longing for peace with God. Our relationship with God is not right. It's broken. He's made the effort to restore it and invite you into the restoration. And so we're not going to experience the peace of God in our life until we experience peace with God. And if you're here today, and this is like right where you need to hear, it's like what you need to be thinking about is, how can I be made right with God? You just accept this invitation into relationship through the death and resurrection of Jesus. That's step one. And it starts to develop the peace of God in your life. And when you give your life to Christ, 
and you trust him, you become the child of God. Notice when Jesus says in Matthew 5, 9, he says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the sons of God. He didn't say, blessed are the peacemakers, that makes them a son of God. Notice that? You can live your whole life dedicated to peaceful acts. You could be a pacifist. You could be getting on boats trying to save whales. You can be going into other countries and trying to help people, you know, uh, you know, from uh, oppression and, and all that kind of stuff. You can get out there and live your whole life dedicated to peaceful things, but that doesn't make you a child of God. It makes you a great person. It makes you a person with a great heart doing great things, but there's still this absence, there's still this void of it being attached to the one who brings ultimate peace. Because all those other efforts of peace are temporary. They're not lasting for eternity. And so it's not the acts of peacemaking that gives us peace. It's being in relationship with the one who brings peace. And so no, being a peacemaker doesn't make you a child of God. But check this out. Being a child of God makes you a peacemaker. Because you can't help it. Because when Christ comes into our life, and he comes in us and starts to live through us, then you can't help but desire to be a person who experiences peace and wants to help others experience peace. And so the foundational belief we have to start with as we, as we understand peace is God made peace with man. That's foundational. And we're going to want to imitate him because of that. The second core belief for a peacemaker is I believe I make peace with others because God made peace with us. See, we're so self-centered, right? So what happens is, oh, I'm so glad that God made peace with me. Excellent. Check. Good. Done. Now, go and make peace with others. It's like the concentric circles. Like God will do that work of peace in you, and then he's going to want to do that work of peace through you. And so he designed us to be relational. He designed us to be in community. And so because he made peace with us, because he made peace with you, then we're called out of that relationship with Christ to now be agents of peace in all our other relationships, our home life, our work life, our neighborhoods, our community, our nation, our world, to be agents of peace. The transformation that that relationship with Christ gives us spills over into our relationships. And because we see ourselves as a recipient of such a great peace of God, we can't help ourselves to be driven to help bring peace into the lives of others. Not being peace fakers, not pretending to have peace, not smoothing something over, but authentic peacemaking. Having those tough conversations. Doing the things that take effort to make peace. Why? Because we want to imitate the one who gave us peace. That's Ephesians 5.1. Therefore, as beloved children, be imitators of God. God's calling us to, to do what he does. And so we have uh, several verses in Scripture that really encourage us to peace. Here's, here's a couple of the big ones that maybe you've heard before. In Romans 12, 18, it says, If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. And we've talked about this before. It's something that probably needs to keep coming back up. It just means you've got to do what you're responsible to be a peacemaker. Now, with that being said, there's going to be times that you try to initiate peace with people and it falls on deaf ears. But here's the thing, if you've initiated, if you've pursued, and they don't respond, you got to be able to put your head on the pillow at night in peace. I had a man come up to me after last service who was struggling with this. He goes, man, I've been estranged from my family for years. You know, I had alcoholism and other stuff in my life years ago. I'd burned some bridges, and for five years, I've been writing letters, and I'm not getting any response. What do I do? I should keep writing your letters. (laughs) 
I go, keep writing your letters. Because once you stop, then you stop doing the things that pursue peace. And now you open up a door where you can be like, ah, I stopped. I mean, you might change the frequency of how often you write them, but you don't have to fall off the radar. And so, man, if, if, you've done, if, there's, if there's a breach in a relationship and you said, hey, can we talk or hey, can we connect? And that person is unwilling. You can still walk in peace because you've fulfilled trying to do it. We see in uh, Romans 14, 19. So then, let us pursue what makes for peace and for mutual upbuilding. How are you pursuing peace in your relationships? How are you doing little things that help cultivate peace at home and your neighborhood and your family? Like, how are we pursuing peace? And I think this is an area where we don't try to stop pursuing peace on purpose necessarily. We just become negligent. It's just so easy to get wrapped up on the things on our heart and our mind. We forget to do the things that pursue peace. And so with God's help, we can keep short accounts and move forward. So God helps us value peace with others. If we're going to be a peacemaker, then we're going to be a peace seeker. Why? Because God did it for us. We can't help to do it with others. Now, I do want to add this caveat. We pursue peace with other people, but not to the abandonment of our faith. You don't do it to the abandonment of your faith. You don't engage someone and says, well, I'll be friends with you if you decide to renounce Christ. You're like, well, <laughs> I still want to be your friend. I still love you, but I'm not going to renounce the one who died and rose for me. I'm sorry. And so there's going to be times that in your efforts to pursue peace, whether it's on a larger scale or a smaller scale, you're going to have to just realize, I'm going to have to endure adversity. I'm going to have to endure this person's hostility toward me because they're hung up on Jesus. They're not hung up on me. And that's, that's important to remember. They're not hung up on you. They're hung up on Jesus. So it's not about you. It's about Christ in you. And so there's going to be times when you're persecuted. There's going to be times when it's awkward, but that's something we'll talk about next week, so I want to get ahead of myself. So, so as peacemakers, peacemakers, we're not seekers of conflict. We're not the source of conflict. We're merely people seeking to help others experience peace and the source of peace. So core belief for peacemaker, God made peace with man. Second one, because God made peace with man, I'm going to imitate him and make peace with others. Third is I believe it's my role to help others know that they can have peace with God. As we grow and mature in our relationship with God, we learn that what God does in us is usually what he wants to do through us. I've already mentioned that. And so if he's brought peace into relationship with us, he's then inviting us in to go help others experience that too. And again, we've talked about this. It's amazing. God doesn't need us. He doesn't, it's not required to use us, but he just chooses to use us. He chooses us to use us to help, experience, help others experience peace. He invites us into the family business, if you will. And he empowers us, he deputizes us, he commissions us to be peacemakers, meaning we now go and help others know they too can have peace with God and experience the peace of God. Uh, we see in Colossians, uh, 2 Corinthians 5, verses 18 through 20. This is, this, is, this is kind of that verse that hits the hardest with this. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and then gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Don't you, don't you love the beauty of that? God says, I'm going to make peace with you. Now I want you to go help others have peace with me too. He says, that is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. 
God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. What that means? It means that as followers of Christ, we carry the spiritual DNA of our Heavenly Father. And so we try to be like Dad. We try to imitate Dad. And we're part of the family business. We become agents, ambassadors of peace in this world, trying to bring peace into life around us. And uh, that's so critically. So how does this play out for us practically? When you start to think about being a peace faker or a peace breaker or a peacemaker, how does that play out for us practically? And here's the thing. I'm not going to tell you how it does. I just want to ask you some questions because God's going to tell you. He's already telling you probably how you need to grow in this. Like, for example, how, how can you be a better peacemaker at home? Like, for me, it's the constant reminder that when I'm irritated, when I'm fatigued, when I'm distracted, whatever, man, just how I choose my words and how I choose my tone, how I choose certain looks I give, like, I still need to grow there if I want to continue to grow as a peacemaker, be a peacemaker, so that I can continue to cultivate an environment of peace, of God's peace in my home. How can you be a peacemaker in your neighborhood? You know, it's, it's, that, it's that looking for the neighbor who might be outside just to give a wave. That's something that pursues peace. Or to pull over for 30 seconds and roll down your window and say, how are you doing today? Because as life houses, we're committed to that. We're committed to love and serve our neighbors. You know, when you see trash cans blowing around your street because the wind's having a good time, you know? Take a couple of those and put them back. By, like, those are the things that help pursue peace. Those are things that, that reflect that we're children of God imitating our Father. Work environment. You know, are you going to carry that negative information about that one person to another? Are you going to join the conflict and, and, and contribute to it and keep it stirred up? Or are you like, no, 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 I'm, I'm called by Christ to be a peacemaker. I'm not going to carry the negative information forward. That doesn't create peace. I'm, I'm not going to be a safe place for people who want to complain. They're going to have to go to the source or they're going to have to do something different because I'm not going to do that. What, what about in our communities? What about in our nation, our world? How, how can we be peacemakers with the things that God impresses upon our heart? Matthew 5, 9. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Jesus didn't say blessed are the violent. He didn't say blessed are the passive. Jesus didn't say, blessed are the peace fakers, blessed are the peace breakers. He said, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Don't you love the double blessing of that? Blessed, spiritual joy, satisfaction, happiness. As we become peacemakers, we experience a joy and a happiness in our life that only exists when we become those. And we'll be called sons of God. People will look at us and go, you're the real deal. You're the real deal. There's something about you. There's something about what you have. You know God. Man, what, what, a, what a compliment for someone to look at our life and say, you know the Lord. You're a child of God. Here's what we're going to do. I, I want to give you a thought just to, to wrap your, your heart and mind around today. We have a take-home thought, which is basically peacemakers imitate the peacemaker. <laughs> and that's a call to us. As far as what to do with that, here's, here's what we get to do this morning. Uh, this is a morning where we celebrate the Lord's Supper, which is beautiful. We get to celebrate the time, the, the act, that God came to make peace with man. And we, and we get to hold two 
physical elements that symbolize and represent this, this act of peace that God brought to us. The body of Christ, the blood of Christ, his death for forgiveness of sins, his resurrection for a new life and eternal life. We're, we're going to get to celebrate that. And as we do, I want to give you some reflection questions to just kind of interact with. I want you to interact with these reflection questions. First one is this. Have I responded to God's offer of peace between him and me through Christ? Maybe you're sitting here today, maybe you're watching today, and you don't have a relationship with Christ. And God's knocking on your heart, and he's saying, you're not going to experience peace until you experience me. Are you ready? If, if yes, hey, I want to pray a little bit. You, you can just simply ask God into your life and commit to follow him. But what if you're not? What if you're not ready? You know what? What's holding you back? What's holding you back? What's keeping that peace from you? And are you willing to have a conversation? There's nothing wrong with just saying, hey, I'm, I'd like to hear a little bit more about Jesus. You know, you have that, that response card in your program. You can just put other. You can put, we'd love to talk to someone about Jesus. I'm, I've got questions. Can, can we have a spiritual conversation? Maybe you have given your life to Christ. You have embraced that connect. Do you tend to be a peacemaker, a peacebreaker, a peacemaker? And what's God want to do with you today because of that? What's the cry of your heart about wanting to be more of a peacemaker? Uh, maybe this. What did God put on your heart today to take home from here and apply? Like, what action point is going to happen here today for you? Is there a specific action God's impressed on your heart? You know, maybe you're here today and, and God's saying, you need to get right with me first. You've been too far off. You've been too far gone. Maybe you don't know me at all. So let's get that done first. Maybe you're sitting here and God's put someone on your heart a situation on your heart, a family member, a friend, a coworker, a neighbor, that you're going, I have not been a peacemaker. I've been a peace breaker or a peace faker. And I need to go do something about that. And maybe you need to go write a letter. Maybe you need to make a phone call. Maybe you need to look at the person next to you and say, uh, I think we've got to talk. The good news is you don't have to write them a letter. You can just say, hey, let's go outside, you know? What, what action has God given you? And how are you helping others? How are you helping others who do not know that they can have peace with God know about the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus? Last night, scrolling through my Facebook for a minute, I noticed I was attached to, to a feed by two guys I haven't seen since high school. I haven't seen these guys for 20 years. And all of a sudden, he posted something about the resurrection. He's got questions, and, and, and it was three guys. And I, and I got pulled. I'm like, I haven't seen these guys in 20 years. I got pulled in this conversation. So obviously, they've been stalking my page or something. I don't know. And they asked me to speak into this. I'm going, okay, here's this guy. He's over here going, man, I, I've been, I'm into Buddhism. I'm into meditation. And I got questions because this really isn't doing it for me. I've got another guy going, was raised in church. Um, you know what? Went full-blown atheist, but something's missing. And now they're inviting me to the conversation. Why would I have any interest in engaging them? Why would I want to take my precious time to get behind a keyboard or pick up a phone or whatever's next to talk to them about peace with God through the death and resurrection. Why would I want to do that? Because I want to be about the Father's business. Because I want to imitate my Father. And because He's given me something that I so badly want them to experience. Isn't that true? The people in your life that don't know Christ, you just, you just want to shake them and go, if you only knew, if you only knew the love, the joy, the mercy, the peace, the everything... Not perfection, not a pain-free life, but all the stuff in the mix. If you only knew it came with this relationship with God, what, what are you doing with that? How is God using you to be a peacemaker on that level? So I don't know what God's doing in your heart, but here's the thing. We're going to reflect for a little bit. These questions will scroll. Man, just be praying. 
If you're a follower of Christ, we get to participate in the Lord's Supper. If you're not, don't worry about it. You don't need to do it. It's not authentic for you. I just want to pray, and then Pastor Brian's going to lead us through a time where we can reflect on this and reflect on what Jesus did to bring us peace. God, thank you for this time. Thank you for not leaving us stuck as rebel sinners and peace breakers. And God, we don't have to fake it. You've made it possible to experience authentic peace. An anchor of trust, an anchor of rest, an anchor of hope when the world's spinning around us like crazy. Confidence and joy of knowing that when this life's over, we're going to open our eyes and see you face to face and spend forever with you. And the pains and the sorrows of this world are going to be such a distant memory, if a memory at all, in your presence. God, thank you for that peace. God, for anyone here that hasn't experienced that, would you stir in their hearts? And if that's you this morning, you can just say, God, come into my life. I don't have peace, and I need you. And I don't trust myself anymore. I trust in Jesus. I trust in his cross. I trust in his resurrection from the dead for a new life. God, for any prodigals in here, people who have been running, people who have been distant from you, God, would they have a reunion with you today, a restoration? That for the rest of us, may we continue to grow in being peacemakers and helping others experience the peace that you offer through Jesus. We ask this in the mighty name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and we all said,